Ramble. My dog Mango has been with me through some really crazy times in life. I mean, she's been with us for the past 10 years. If you guys don't know, Mango is my little French bulldog with half hair. Okay, she's fuzzy only half the time. And she is literally the glue of my family. I have quite literally named an entire podcast and a YouTube channel from my dog Mango. She is the reason that these channels exist. But three years ago, Mango was diagnosed with this autoimmune disease and she was always at risk of excessive bleeding. Her fur was falling out in clumps. It was it was a pretty stressful time in my life. I was constantly emotional about Mango being in pain and then I would be, get so stressed out every time I started going over the vet bills. Every time we took her to the vet, it was like thousands of dollars because her condition was so difficult to treat. And I am just so thankful that we had savings to cover it. I wish I had known about Spot Pet a few years back. It would have just eased so much of that stress. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, is here to share a message today on how they are a secret weapon against the unexpected. Because with Spot Pet Insurance, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills. Our dogs are always there for us during our hardest times, and we need to be there for them too. Go to spotpet.com today and get a quote instantly. Visit spotpet.com. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductibles, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to this week's main episode. Have you guys ever been to LA or Orange County? Well, Orange County specifically, because that's where today's case takes place. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, it's like two different worlds. I live in LA, but I've always wanted to live in Orange County. It seems like heaven. LA, you've got amazing food, horrendous traffic. But I mean, it's just a weird town. So if you look it up on Urban Dictionary, LA is pretty much summed up to be the place where your soul goes to die. That's just like the vibe that everyone's giving. Like you're going to have the best tacos of your life, but you're going to have no soul. So it's like a really good trade. But Orange County, on the other hand, if you look up the definition on Urban Dictionary, it is, and I quote, a utopian paradise in California where amusement parks, the Asians, ice cream lovers, and soccer moms coincide and live with each other in peace and absolute harmony. What? <laughs> Listen, I want to retire in Orange County. That has always been my dream. So imagine this in the backdrop. And then we're going to talk about one of the most heinous crimes that I've ever covered. And it takes place in Orange County. And we're talking about the rich people in Orange County, too. I mean, this is one of the gnarliest things ever. So let's start with David Brown and Patty Bailey. They lived in this $900,000 house. Beautiful. I mean, they had two beautiful daughters. You give them a double take if you were walking past them because she looks 19. He looks 50. But in reality, he's 35. Still a huge age gap, but nothing out of the ordinary, especially she in is a 19. Yeah. I mean, it's it's bizarre. And you want two kids. Yeah. I mean, they're young. Oh, okay. You want to call him the P word for sure, but you're like, well, it is Orange County, so I don't really know what's going on. You just kind of like drive past. They were living the dream. They had that beautiful house with that beautiful pool. They were dripping in jewelry. They had over $500,000 worth of fine art in their house. They ran a successful tech business that was rumored to be in partnership with the Pentagon of the United States. But if you really knew them, you would think it's a little strange. Because Patty wasn't just his teenage bride. She was his sister-in-law. Linda, Patty's older sister, had been murdered. This is David's ex-wife, had been murdered. And Patty just took her spot in the family, started wearing her clothes, her jewelry, had her husband 
but you would never know that just walking past them. And then there was someone living a completely different life. There was a man named Richard who was in prison and he was talking to this man by the name of Humpy. That's what they called him in prison. And Richard said, you know, in prison, you can get anything done when you have cash. So Humpy told him, well, I need you to kill two district attorneys and a 20-year-old girl named Patty. Can you do it? Sounds good. Humpy's asking Richard to yeah, kill someone? To kill Patty. Huh, who is that? Who is Humpy? <laughs> who's humpy and who's he humping <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then on the other side we've got the police they're looking for a cold-blooded killer they had suspicions that this killer would be lurking around the house somewhere because that's where the murder took place they cleared the downstairs level the upstairs level even the trailer parked on the property but when one of the detectives gets close to the dog playpen in the backyard it had these giant dog houses for all the family dogs there there was something moving inside and it wasn't a dog it was a freaking killer. So they arrested 14-year-old Cinnamon for the murder of her stepmom, Linda. Now, where did her dad, David, fit into all of this? Yeah, and where is he? See, see, see? Are you getting the connections? Who is this David Brown guy? Why does it seem like his life is so crazy? So what I'm throwing down is David's daughter murdered his wife. Now his wife is dead, his daughter is in prison, and he marries the teenage younger sister of his wife, his former sister-in-law. And who is trying to kill his new wife, Patty? Yeah, and who is, yeah, who is Humpy? Let's get to the bottom of this. So full source notes are always available at RottenMangoPodcast.com. But there's a book and it's by the greatest of all time when it comes to true crime. We're talking about the goat, Anne Rule. This book is so good. I mean, this is a monster of a detailed book. 600 pages of no fluff, just straight up detail after detail. It's riveting the whole way through. It's called If You Really Loved Me. Now, Anne Rule was one of the very few people that the main character of the, today's entire case, one of the very very few people that Cinnamon trusted. Truly, she never really gave that many interviews unless Anne Rule was involved. Mm -hmm. She didn't really tell her story to anyone but Anne Rule. Like, it's insane. If you're interested in this case, this is like by far the best deep dive that you will ever find out there. And I do want to make a second announcement. That was a weird transition. <laughs> so I mentioned this in the last main episode, but we are currently moving cross country. I don't know if you guys caught that, but we skipped a mini-sode and we will be sp skipping this week's mini-sode as well. And that'll be the last skip and then we'll be back on Wednesdays and Sundays for you. Now let's get into David Brown because his life sounds crazy, right? So we're going to start with his childhood. I mean, does he have anything to do with this? What's going on? Why is a 14-year-old girl killing people? I don't understand. Now, David was born in Arizona. He was six of eight children. His dad, Arthur, was a car mechanic and his mom, Manuela. She, I mean, they, she was kind of like the matriarch of the house. She ran things. She did everything. The dad was like, listen, I'm just going to listen to you. Whatever you say, I'm going to do it. They were always struggling with money. And Manuela was a very strict parent. David would describe her later as selfish, controlling, greedy, and violent. Now, side note, very interestingly enough, she was part Hispanic and he absolutely hated it. So maybe there's some, you know, racism that's rooted in his hatred for his own mom. He just like hated Hispanic people, even though he was part Hispanic. So maybe at one point he was scared of his mom. But as he gets older, he was actually the one making his mom cry. He would just like sit there and make jokes at her, tell her she's so freaking stupid. You don't know how to do anything right until she would just burst into tears. So David starts making his mom cry all the time. But as he's growing up, it's very interesting because he always has his mom around. I mean, he hates to admit it, but he needed her. 
Like he Why? was like one of those mama's boy that couldn't really do anything for himself, but also despised his mom at the same time. So like she would come over, cook for him, clean for him. And meanwhile, he'd be cursing her out the whole time, making her cry. And then in the same breath, he'd turn around and be like, you know, she was so abusive to me growing up. She is absolutely evil. So it's just really confusing. Now, the rest of his childhood, David has a ton of stories, okay? It's hard to follow if any of these are true. But number one, he was jumped by a bunch of bullies. I don't know. Bizarre. Number two, he was sexually molested by an old man at a park. Number three, at 10 years old, he witnessed a family member attempting to commit suicide. So thankfully, it was a failed attempt, but it was graphic. They had slit their wrists, and David being 10, he saw the whole thing, and he was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? They didn't really put him in therapy or anything. So by the time that he's 15 years old, he's rebelling. He's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be home. He starts, you know, leaving the house, trying to get into trouble, and he meets Brenda. Now, Brenda is going to be his first wife out of six. <laughs> wow. And she is also going to be Cinnamon's mom, right? She was 15 years old, too, came from a rough household, way worse than David's. She pretty much had no clothes, just like these. I mean, David called them rags. She had very torn clothing, maybe a couple of outfits. She was always hungry. This is how how much they were struggling. She never had food security, never felt like she would have the next meal on the table. I mean, she was stressed. She had 10 younger siblings. And her mom was just always out. So she's forced to act like this mom. I mean, she was miserable. She's lonely. She doesn't have anyone to talk to. And David swooped in and wanted to be her hero. He was like, listen, I don't have anything either, but I got more than you because you're dressed in rags. Like he was like that. Okay. Super aggressive. Wanted to take care of her. And almost instantly, they're like intimately involved. Now, from the get-go, the relationship is intense. David does not want her going anywhere without him. I mean, if you went to the mall with David, Brenda would wait outside the men's restroom like she was on a leash or something. She couldn't even wander to look through the window of the next store. I mean, it's not because he's like terrified she's going to get kidnapped or something. He didn't want any other guys to even talk to her, to even look at her, to even hit on her. Like he was just so upset. So then one day he says, listen, Brenda, I know you're thinking about running away. I know you've been thinking about it for a long time because your your family is really rough. But I want you to know that you really can't take care of yourself. Like you really can't do it. I mean, look at yourself. You think you're capable of doing that? But guess what? I can. And I'm, Wait, he's thinking that she's going to run away from her family. Yeah, from home. Not run away from him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's like, oh, but I can take care of you. I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to run away with you. So at 16 years old, they both run away together and they start working at a hotel. Right. David's uncle owned this, got them a job just like painting the hallways. Brenda was so excited. This is going to break your heart. This was her dream because she finally had enough money to buy food, more food than she could ever eat. She finally had some food security. Wow. She could be full for once. Like she was, this was the best time of her life, she said, at 16 years old. But then, of course, things come to a sudden end because David starts acting up. He starts being like, we got to leave this motel. It's haunted. What are you talking about? There's an evil presence here. I'm getting paranoid. People are watching us, Brenda. Do you not get that? People are watching us. They're after us. So they move out, they quit their jobs, and they move in with David's parents. Now, at this point, they get a new fear. So David starts telling Brenda that he's dying. He's gonna, he has cancer. He knows it. He feels it in his bones. He hasn't gotten a diagnosis yet, but that's a moot point. What do doctors know? 
He's 16 right now? Yeah, and he's like, I have cancer. I don't have that much longer to live. You don't understand. So then at 16, he gets his tonsils taken out. You know, I had my tonsils taken out. I'm going to be honest with you. It was a pretty traumatic experience. So I can understand the drama, but this is a lot of drama already. So he's in the hospital bed. She's holding his hand, like just like head on that hospital bed as if he's about to die. Like just holding on to him because this might be his last breath at any moment. And he looks at her. And he starts coughing. Blood comes out. So she's like, oh my god, nurse, my my boyfriend's dying. Like she's screaming. The nurses are rushing in because they're like, what do you mean he's dying? That doesn't make any sense. They rush in and they rush him into surgery. Turns out he just had ripped the stitches <laughs> and he coughed up blood. But Brenda was like, this kid is dying. So this in her young little heart instilled this forever fear that David, the love of her life, the protector that she's had is going to die at any moment. He's just going to drop dead at any moment. So Brenda has to show him all this care, all this love has to be nice to him. Because do you really want the last thing you to say to your significant other to be something mean? Because he could drop dead at any moment. They start moving around a lot, working these jobs, fast food jobs, and they get married with parental permission and they get pregnant with cinnamon. So by the time that they're almost 18 years old, cinnamon is born. Now, David loved cinnamon from the moment that she entered this world. They both did. But Brenda had to do all the work. David could just swoop in and be the fun parent. And he would tell cinnamon from the day that she was born. Listen, daddy is the most wonderful, funny, most powerful man in the world (laughs) okay like okay i get the wonderful i get the funny but like the most powerful man in the world like what's going on there even if you are that's just weird it's a lot of weird stuff so he starts getting his together after cinnamon's born he gets his gd he starts taking these specialized classes he had big big ambitions he wanted to be a very rich man And he was not going to settle for anything less. Now, Brenda wants to help. She's like, I want to build this with you. Whatever you're doing, I want to try. I want to get a job. I want to be independent. I want to put an effort as well. And he was upset. He was like, no, I don't even want you to get your driver's license. Like, he would just be so mad. And if she got a job, he'd be like, why? Do you like someone at that job? Like, are you cheating on me with your coworker? And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, how do I even have the time? But at the same time, David was an absolute arse, okay? So whatever he wanted to do, he would do it. That means he was obsessed with women. Like, they'd be in the car driving down a one-way street. He sees a woman walk by. She's, like, jogging. He would make a U-turn on a one-way street just to, like, drive past her again. Meanwhile, Brenda's in the car. What in the world? Like, absolutely bonkers, this dude. So Brenda starts feeling like, well, maybe he's not just looking. Maybe something fishy is going on because these days he's going on a lot of, quote unquote, overnight deer hunting trips. Listen, that already in itself is like a big red flag for me. Okay, but But he (laughs) never came back with any deer. Yeah, Yeah. he's like wearing a suit and tie with cologne. He's like, no, it attracts the deers. They're into it. They're into Versace cologne. So she, so she's like, okay, this is weird. He's probably like meeting some women. Couldn't confront him because he was so aggressive. But one day she happens to walk into a cafe and there he is just snuggling up to another woman. So Brenda's like, what the heck? And he's like, no, it's just work. You don't get it. So she forgives him. But then Cinnamon would start coming home. Mom, mom, like I had so much fun today with, with, you know, dad and this girl. Oh, like one of your friends? No, one of daddy's friends named Lori. She's like, what the fork is going on? 
then she's at home. She gets a knock on the door. She opens it up and it's David. Why are you knocking on the door? You got a key, right? Mm-hmm. But he's holding that woman's hand. And she's like, what on earth? Who is this? And David introduces Lori as, this is Lori, the woman I'm going to marry. And serves her divorce papers on the spot. Wow. So, of course, Brenda, I mean, she's going to be petty because good for you, right? She packs up everything. She doesn't even leave him like a spoon, (laughs) like every piece of furniture, every piece of anything that they had. She packs it all up and she leaves with cinnamon. Now, David is super pissed about this. So what does he do? He shows up to her new place with a gun and puts it up to her head and says, if I can't have you, nobody can. Now, Brenda, at this point, I mean, she had she's really at her breaking point. So she looks at him, no fear in her eyes. And she says, you know what? Then do it. Shoot me. I dare you. And he just drives off. So then he comes back with a rifle, a bigger gun and puts it up to her face. And she's not even scared. She looks disgusted with him, if anything. She's like, freaking do it. Get it over with, you little coward. Like, she's like, come on. So then David hits her with his car. And she just, he just like leaves. I know he's looking at me so shocked. Yeah, yeah. And she was just relieved. She's just relieved that David was out of her life, but they would constantly be tethered together because of Cinnamon. So Cinnamon would kind of be back and forth. I mean, it's pretty apparent that both parents used Cinnamon just to like have these petty fights. So she was just being like, it's just rough for her. And David got just, I mean, he was so upset after this divorce, not because he loved Brenda, but because even though they were the same age, he felt like he had trained Brenda. He felt like he could have done whatever he wanted her, especially in bed. And now she's finally standing up to him. So after this breakup, he starts dating a bunch of teenage girls. Now, he's in his early 20s and he loves teenage girls. He loves them because of the respect that they give him. He's becoming more successful. They would listen to him. They would soak up his work stories and ooh and ah at everything he said. You know, this guy has so much power. Big red flag when like people are like, I love hanging out with people that are way younger than me, mm-hmm. that are going through a way different phase in life than me. When it comes to sex, he would guilt them. Like, this is what real women do. You'll know when you grow up. Stuff like that. He also wanted young teenage girls from poor families because he wanted to be that hero. He wanted to be that father figure, that boyfriend. He wanted to be praised. And so immediately after, he's like, what the heck, Brenda? She left me. So he gets depressed. He's hospitalized three times for suicidal thoughts. And it was just really rough. Now, David's whole identity, though, he called himself the Phoenix. (laughs) The Phoenix, that mythical creature that rises from the ashes and the flames to be a soaring legend again, flying high, higher than all the other peasants in the world. That was David. He had a custom-made pendant, a phoenix necklace, with a bird rising from the flames that were topaz. The flames were topaz. And he played close to $4,000 for it, and he wore it every single day. He finished his degree at Controlled Data Institute, right? He doubled his salary. And honestly, he was a really good businessman, and he started to acquire a good deal of money and respect. So then he gets married for the second time to Lori. So he's 22. She's 19. And she really tried to be this perfect wife. She even got along so well with Cinnamon. But David was already interested in someone else. There was a family that lived two doors down. Damn, this this guy's just on the go, huh? (laughs) Just on the go, yeah. (laughs) He like never stops. No, he really never stops. It gets wild. So then the Bailey family, right? The head of the house was Ethel Bailey. She was a single mom to 11 children. 
They were on welfare. They could barely afford food. All they ate were noodles, rice, and Kool-Aid. So Ethel spent any extra money that she had on beer and cigarettes. So these kids, they were neglected. They were hanging out with the wrong group of other kids as well. It's just a lot going on. So he introduces himself as a neighbor and drops off some turkey for Thanksgiving. And he just like swooped in like this, this Santa Claus almost. They were eating noodles and rice and Kool-Aid for Thanksgiving. And now, now they're getting turkey. And on top of that, he says, Ethel, can I ask you for the biggest favor in the world? You see, I'm dying of colon cancer. I'm going to die any day now. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm so young. I'm in my early 20s. But listen, my wife, she's lazy. Lori is absolutely lazy. This is not true. She can't even take care of the house. I'm dying, you know. I'm bleeding out of my rectum. He said this stuff, okay? (laughs) He's like really aggressive. Yeah, I'm bleeding out of my butthole. It's really bad. So I need some of your daughters to come and clean my house. And I'll pay them, obviously. I'll pay them really well. So that's exactly what they did. And slowly, like a little parasite, he starts inviting himself over constantly. And at first, the whole family loved him. You know, he would buy them McDonald's. And this to them was like Michelin star food. Like they were really struggling, okay? And sometimes he would even take some of the kids to go buy clothes for them. To put it in perspective, the Bailey kids had never had any store-bought clothes ever. It was all donations or hand-me-downs. Even took the whole family out to Disneyland. Which, honestly, he would kind of later hang over their heads. He would always say things like, well, if I'm so horrible, why did I take you to Disneyland? It's just Disneyland, bro. Calm down, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, Linda Bailey would be his third wife. And she was 13 when they met. Oh, my God. She had a schoolgirl crush on him. David listened to her, cared about her. You know, she was this blonde, sweet, impressionable young girl. Her family said that Linda is one of the kindest people that you'll ever meet. If you saw a guy without a coat on, you'd think, oh, I bet that guy is cold, right? Maybe you'd walk away. Maybe you'd offer some change. But Linda would go out and spend all of her allowance or any money that she could make buying him a nice little coat and would just present it to him. Like she was just the sweetest as can be, really. So by the time that she's 15, I mean, she had essentially been groomed by David and they start dating. And it was around this time that he miraculously announced to the world that he had beaten colon cancer. What a miracle indeed. So by the time that Linda's 17, he begged and he begged and Ethel finally allowed them to get married. And almost as quickly as they get married, they get divorced. So she gets kicked out of the house and he marries another woman by the name of Cindy. So this is his fourth marriage. Obviously didn't go well because the whole time that he was married to Cindy, he was still cheating on Cindy with Linda, his third wife. An absolute wreck. So David misses Linda, told everyone that he knew. Meanwhile, she's still a minor, okay? And he'd be like, listen, we just had these sparks that were flying. Did you know that Linda and I had sex two times a day and we never repeated the same position? Who is telling this to? Anyone who would listen. (laughs) Sometimes even Linda's like brothers. Just bizarre, dude. So he proposes again and her family was just super pissed. They were like, no, we get it. He has money, more money than we have. But no, we don't want you to. We don't like him. He's too controlling. He's aggressive. And he's just a mean, mean person. So when Linda told David this, he said, well, they're all just jealous because I'm rich and they're not. But David somehow convinced the family, I'm starting my own business and I'm going to give you guys all jobs. So they finally agreed. And he did start a business called Data Recovery. Now, the claim is that he worked for the Pentagon. He worked for MGM Casinos, freaking the San Diego Blood Bank. 
just doing the most. Oh, NASA. He said he worked for NASA. This is very false. He did not work for most of these things that he's stating. What he would do is he would recover lost files on computers and he was able to get back 40 to 60 percent of the lost files, which is a lot. But apparently it's not as technical as it sounds, or at least it wasn't back then. Most of his job was opening up hard disks and cleaning it with Q-tips. <laughs> but he called it the process. Capital T, the, capital P, process, the process. But it grew like crazy. So he went from making $32,000 a year to half a million a year within three years. Dang. And he worked for a huge company called RandomX, and he was a subcontractor that they used. So, so you're saying that he's claiming he's Q-tipping um, <laughs> NASA's... <laughs> Yes. Rocket ship chips. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> exactly. And there's a whole story behind it, too. It has to do with the Challenger explosion. He said that he's the reason that they find out why the Challenger exploded uh. and killed everyone on board. He was like, yeah, because I cleaned it and I recovered the data from the Challenger. I worked with NASA. <laughs> I went to Houston. <laughs> you know, like he was he was really doing a lot. So he tried to turn this into a family business. You know, it was like the whole thing. He becomes a millionaire. With that, he even gets cockier. He told everyone that Brenda, his very first wife, was so sad. She's so bitter now because he's a millionaire now. He had these custom diamond rings, uh, men's rings. Some of them are 14 carats worth close to $100,000. He had a quarter million dollars in just custom jewelry for himself. This guy was doing the most. And you'd go on and on about these stories. You know the MGM Grand Hotel fire? So there was a hotel fire in Las Vegas, the MGM Grand, right? Mm -hmm. It was caused when a pastry refrigerator just like burst into f flames. The smoke traveled through the air vents. The hotel cheapened out and got the minimum requirements of sprinklers needed for their construction. So 81 people ended up dying. Dang. But what he claimed was that he started working on their computers remotely and he was able to see within two hours which rooms were occupied and which ones were vacant. And so they were able to send firemen to help them within two hours. He directly directly responsible for saving the lives of over a hundred people at the hotel. This is not true. The San Diego blood bank computer crashed. He said that he restored it so that they could use these units of blood again, send them to people who needed blood transfusions. Think of all the lives he saved. Then the whole NASA thing. He was like, yeah, I found out why the challenger exploded. Also, he worked for the Pentagon. <laughs> All the while that that's happening, by the time that he's 32, he's running this successful business. He's married to Linda again for the second time. This is his fifth marriage. And he's complaining. He's got all these health issues. He's got heart trouble, high blood pressure, asthma, allergies, insomnia. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. And he's constantly telling people, you just never know when I'm going to die. I could drop dead tomorrow. I, I feel it in my bones. I'm going to die young. So, of course, what do they do? They baby the out of him okay they're like oh no don't die i thought they were like we're ready <laughs> we're ready get that will ready <laughs> you know and on top of that even though he complained all the time about his health he did not do anything to make it better he smoked three packs of cigarettes a day he never exercised he would brag that his only form of exercise was sex and he had it all the time because he's an absolute sex magnet <laughs> yeah <laughs> bizarre okay here's somewhere that you may not expect that you're spending a whole lot of time on which is over checking double checking triple checking sending it to your friends and family 
email responses. There's something about it. I just feel like I can't trust myself. I gotta get a second opinion. I spend more time checking my emails versus actually writing them, versus actually building connections with people via email or via Twitter or via messaging. And then I found Grammarly Premium. Well, I didn't find it. My fiance actually recommended me Grammarly Premium. When I kept complaining, I spent so much time on emails and I I just keep doubting myself. And with Grammarly Premium, all that goes out the window because it's amazing. You get clarity suggestions in real time while you're drafting your email. It helps you get your message across quickly without repeated or unnecessary words. It also gives you in real time vocabulary suggestions so you don't have to Google synonym for great anymore. (laughs) It helps you replace those overused words and phrases because really that's not even impactful. I love that I can use it with practically anything. I can use it on my phone even when I'm texting people on my web browser, Microsoft Office, whatever that you're using, even Twitter. You could use some grammar checks. Just give yourself peace of mind. With a free version of Grammarly, you're safe from those embarrassing basic spelling, grammar, and punctuation mistakes. But Grammarly Premium is where the real fun's at. They give you advanced time-saving features, helping you write more clearly and efficiently, streamline your workload with seamless integration with Microsoft Office, your internet browser, your phone. You can close all those thesaurus tabs and save research time with vocabulary suggestions for more compelling word choices. You go straight to the point with those clarity suggestions. Honestly, I wish I could put Grammarly Premium into my brain. So whether you're emailing your boss, your landlord, your colleague, Grammarly Premium helps save so much time and gives me so much peace of mind. So cut down on editing time and write more confidently with Grammarly Premium. Get 20% off of Grammarly Premium by signing up at Grammarly.com slash Rotten Mango. That's 20% off at G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash Rotten Mango. Now, there was someone that looked at David like he was the end-all be-all. Like the way that he's pitching himself, there was someone who was looking at him like that. And that was Patty Bailey. Now, this is Linda's little sister who had met David when she was only seven years old. And honestly, she was really jealous when Linda was able to move in with David. His house was nice. He had nice things. Patty wanted that life. But instead, she was the only daughter left at home now. She was stuck with a bunch of her brothers, and she hated them. So after Linda's first marriage to David fell apart, Patty said that, you know, she's sad. David's not going to be around. But at the same time, she felt happy because maybe she had a chance. Now, in the book, it does state that Patty was molested in her family home. Now, when Linda finds out what's going on at home, she takes her little sister aside and says, if you want to live with us, we can give you your own room and you'll be safe. That's nice of her. Yeah, and Patty was so excited. They were going to be their own little family. So everyone in the Bailey family, they knew that Patty had a crush on David. Nobody teased her about it because they thought, I mean, she's like, what, 12 years old? She's going to she's gonna realize that there's boys her age. And she's going to be like, this is an old fart. Why am I looking at this guy? He's lame. What the heck? And she's going to move on. She's going to start dating someone who has like a Justin Bieber haircut because that's what like 12-year-olds want to do. It's going to be fine. So she moves in with the family and she gets this new room, big, beautiful bed, pull out mattress that Cinnamon would sleep on. Cinnamon didn't have her own room. Only Patty did, you know, filled with collectibles. She had the newest dolls, the newest teddy bears, the newest stuffed animals, like not the ones that you get from Target. But these were collector items that would probably be around two hundred, three hundred dollars a pop. Wow. Just like walls covered in it. So much jewelry that it was overflowing out of her box. So she had everything that she could possibly want, except for David. 
So Cinnamon, she's bouncing back between dad and mom, right? Now, Patty, she didn't like this. She she got along with Cinnamon. They're like sisters, right? Even though this is like her aunt. Mm -hmm. Patty would be her aunt. They're only about three years apart. But Patty just wanted her room to herself. She just didn't like it. So she talked to Linda and somehow it was arranged that Cinnamon was going to be sleeping in a trailer that was parked on the property. This 14-year-old girl is going to be sleeping on a trailer. Now, this is not a van life aesthetic type trailer. It was covered in dog poo. It was not well-maintained. It just looked really bleak. Like, it just looked like a dark, depressing place for a 14-year-old girl to live, especially when her whole family is, like, hanging out inside the house. And she always slept with her little cabbage patch doll. Like, these, this is how young these kids are. So then Linda gets pregnant with Crystal. So David and Linda are expecting their first together. Now, they get the best of the best nursery items. They had over 30 Care Bears in the nursery. What's Care Bear? Those cute little teddy bears. They have 30 teddy bears? Yeah, and they care about you. Care Bears. Okay. (laughs) He says, I don't care. (laughs) They had one of every single color before Crystal was even born. I mean, it was insane. They bought six different mobiles mobiles for the crib, the thing that you hang. I mean, just toys everywhere. So once Crystal was born, any problems that David and Linda had just dissipated. They were so happy. They were like, oh, my God, this is David was obsessed with Crystal. He doted on her. So from the outside, I mean, it just looks perfect. We've got David and Linda and their newborn Crystal. And Linda's so sweet. She even took in her younger sister, Patty. Mm -hmm. And then we have Cinnamon, who's bouncing behind, you know, back and forth between mom and dad living in Orange County. What could go wrong? In the middle of the night, 911 gets a call from a little street called Ocean Breeze Drive. There's been a homicide. I mean, this is weird, right? So, I mean, Orange County is definitely more retirement vibes than L.A. County. So they're hoping maybe this is a misunderstanding. So the Garden Grove Police Department, they arrive at the scene and they rush in. And this is bizarre because the killer could still be in the house, but they're like ready to go, right? They walk in and they see David and this woman holding a little baby, Crystal, and all of them are just sobbing, absolutely hysterical. And they're saying, she's in there, she's in there. So the officer rushes into the bedroom, doesn't turn on the lights because of the fingerprints, and sees a woman laying on the bed with blood all over her chest she was gurgling she had been shot twice and she was still somewhat alive there was no signs of a struggle she was maybe asleep when she was shot i mean it was bad so they start taking pictures of her body before the paramedics get there just so that they can prove like this is how we found her and she just was so young she looked so young that doesn't make sense her pajamas literally had laughing penguins on them Like, who would kill such a young woman in their bed? There's no signs of a break-in. What's going on? So the paramedics rush her to the ER, and at that point, they tried everything. They cut her open, and the surgeon was straight up massaging her heart with his hands, and it was too late. She was pronounced dead at the hospital. They find the murder weapon on the ground in that room. So the gun had just been left. Now, according to the book, the police were shocked when they started looking through this house. I mean, this was the epitome of American consumerism. It looked like Toys R Us and Kmart just threw up in the house. Just every surface. There was not an inch of free surface space filled with knickknacks, toys, collectibles, little little figurines, crystal vases, crystal knickknacks. Some of these things were still wrapped in plastic like they were brand new. Jeez. Where a room would maybe have one dresser, they had like two or three dressers in its place and they were all oversized, you know, like those grand furniture pieces. It looks like if you gave a teenager a credit card. This is bizarre. What's going on? They also had pictures of Garfield, the cat everywhere. Just a lot. 
A lot of men's jewelry filled with diamonds. Just bizarre. Now, there were some suspicious things. The open pill bottles next to a glass of water looked like someone had ingested a ton of pills recently. And obviously the murder. So they're like, okay, well, who lives here? Let's get to the bottom of this. They find out it's David, Linda, 18-month-old Crystal, Cinnamon, and Linda's little sister, Patty. Now, Linda, who is only 23, has now been pronounced dead. And Cinnamon is missing. So they interview David and Patty, and they're like, well, we think that Cinnamon did it. What do you mean you think Cinnamon did it? Like, tell us why. Well, someone ran out of the house through the backyard, and it looked like Cinnamon. Okay, that's a little weird. Let's start with David. Like, tell us what's going on. And he just kept saying, it's just been so hard. You know, you can't even understand. I'm running my business. I support my whole family, my wife and my daughter. You know, it's just a lot. Nobody in this house gets along. I'm telling you, Cinnamon. I mean, I didn't think that she was going to kill Linda, but I tried to get her to do counseling. But, you know, 14 year olds, she threatened to kill herself if I put her in counseling. Okay, so what happened today, David? Like, run us through. Mm -hmm. Well, nothing out of the ordinary. We had plans to go to the desert for a picnic, but then it started raining. So we stayed home. My parents came over. We played Uno together, the card game. We ate dinner. Cinnamon got pissed because she kept losing in Uno. You know how kids are. Linda and my mom got into a fight. You know, it was just like very normal. So after dinner, my parents left and I was just dealing with a lot. So I decided in the middle of the night I couldn't sleep. I've always had insomnia. I went for a middle of the night drive. I drove to a gas station. I picked up Dr. Pepper and a hostess pie. I sat in the car. I ate the hostess pie. I drank the Dr. Pepper. Then I went back into the gas station and I got a bunch of po- comic books. I was like, let me just read something. And the gas attendant and I were shooting the shit. We were like, oh my God, you listen to, I can't believe you're like, what, 30? You're like looking at comic books. And I'm like, hee hee ha ha. And then I went to the beach to think about life. He did it a lot that night. Yeah. He the also night. went to a Denny's at Newport Beach. But he said that he only used the restroom because when he went in there, the entire place was filled with Hispanic people. So he's like, I'm not going to eat here. <laughs> this dude's oh, no half, like part Hispanic. Okay, this just raging racist is part Hispanic. Let me just put that out there, okay? So then he pulls up to the house less than an hour later, which seems like a really short time to be doing all of this. Mm-hmm. And Patty is at the door holding Crystal, completely hysterical. So I'm like, what's going on? Why are you awake? Why are you freaking out? She says, oh my God, Cinnamon had a gun. Cinnamon had a gun. What? So he searches the whole place. Can't find Cinnamon. He doesn't go into the master bedroom. And as he's about to open the door, Patty's like, don't go. Don't go in there. Please, please, please. But he opened the door and his wife was laying there in an unnatural position. So he called the cops. What? Now, the police separated Patty Bailey and they're like, okay, tell us what happened. She said, well, Cinnamon was living in the trailer, but tonight she asked if she could sleep in my room. So I told her, "Okay, fine. We're staying up late. We're watching MTV. But I knew that Cinnamon was acting strange. What do you mean? I don't know. I kept asking, but she didn't want to talk about it. And then in the middle of the night, right when I was about to fall asleep, she said, hey, Patty, can I show you something? Sure, Cinnamon. What is it? And she pulled out a gun from her purse. And I said, what the heck? Why do you have that? Oh, just in case, you know, someone breaks in. And I told her, well, Cinnamon, we have a security system. I I don't get it. Oh, for like when you're in the trailer? And they just dropped the conversation. 
So the police are asking Patty, like, you don't think that's weird for a 14 year old to just like have a gun? You don't think that's alarming? Like you should tell somebody about it? Mm-hmm. Well, no, we always are around guns. David likes guns. So we were always shooting them in the desert. And so I just went back to sleep. And then all of a sudden I was awoken because I heard a gunshot. And Cinnamon is just standing there in my room in the dark. And we make eye contact and she runs out. So I'm frozen in fear. I hear Crystal bawling in the room next to me. So I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? I run to the nursery. I pick her up and I bring her back to my room and I close the door. I try to barricade ourselves in there. And that's when I hear two more gunshots. I was terrified. I didn't know what to do. So then I ran towards the front door because I don't know, maybe Cinnamon's going to kill me next. And I heard someone unlocking it. Like with the key in the keyhole. And mm-hmm. I knew it had to be David because Cinnamon didn't, doesn't have a house key. Um, how does she know that David was out? Yeah. <laughs> so then um. she opened it and she starts breaking down. Cinnamon, the gunshot, she has a gun, blah, 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 blah. And now David checks the entire house. Everything's good. And she says, what about the master? So this is where the stories kind of flip, right? Mm-hmm. She's like, what about the master bedroom? And he says, no, I don't have the, I can't have the stomach to go in there. So the story is completely not lined up there. Yeah. So this one, the police kind of give it um give it a side glance, but they don't necessarily think that this means that they're guilty because a lot of the times husbands will pump themselves up in their story. Mm-hmm. They'll say, you know, I try to save my wife. I did this. I did that. In reality, they were just like crying in a corner. Okay. It's kind of like, well, what can you say? Right. So he was like, yeah, I couldn't go in there. So he sat down. He called his dad. And his dad was like, you need to call the cops. So then he called the cops. Now, when the police talk to both of them, they both wholeheartedly believe it's Cinnamon. And she does happen to be missing from the house, right? Mm-hmm. And the cops are like, well, why do you think it is her? Well, she threatens to kill herself all the time. And we try to get her help. And she's just super moody. She hates doing chores. She always says, I'd rather, do, I'd rather die than do the dishes. And, you know, she kept telling me, Patty, she kept telling me, that she wants to end her life with a gun. And so I told Cinnamon, no, don't say that. I love you. You know that, right? I love you like a sister. But even then, Cinnamon really didn't care. Nothing worked. I mean, she was just so stubborn. Even Linda did everything that she could to help Cinnamon. But she just hated her. Cinnamon hated everyone. Hated Linda. Hated everyone. Got herself kicked out of the house. Thrown into the trailer. (sighs) She doesn't even have any friends. She just has imaginary ones. And she talks to them all the time. Yeah, their names are Oscar, Maynard, and Aunt Bertha. She's weird. One time I came into the room and she was talking to someone and I said, who are you talking to? And she says, oh, wait, don't sit down. Oscar's sitting there. So Patty's like telling the cops this. Okay, so now the police are thinking maybe this girl has schizophrenia. That makes a little bit more sense because 14 year old girls don't just like kill their stepmoms. And if they do, you're like, wait a minute on this podcast, they do. Okay, yeah, they do. But um, a lot of the times it's not with a gun. For some reason, teenagers just don't gravitate towards using guns. They'll do it with knives. And it sounds a lot more gruesome because you're like, wow, these teenagers want to see more blood. That sounds like a serial killer. But I think maybe knives seem less daunting. Maybe they've touched knives. Maybe their brain just is like, oh, I've like seen a knife before. Mm-hmm. So still nothing makes sense. They tell the police, well, she also had a boyfriend. He was 23 years old and she's 14. His name is Steely Dan. So maybe she killed her stepmom because she wanted to be with her boyfriend. And maybe Linda wasn't letting her. So they're like running these things through. And they're searching the whole place for her. They search the trailer. And one of the dogs had escaped the little dog playpen. 
So one of the officers scoops up the puppy, puts it back in the dog area in the backyard, and that's when he looks inside the doghouse. There's something moving. So he gets closer. It's definitely not a dog. Cinnamon? Cinnamon? And she makes a little noise. It was Cinnamon. So he rushes in there. She's covered in her own vomit and urine. She had thrown up on herself. She had peed on herself. What is going on, you know? They look at the vomit that's on the ground, and there were just like full-size pills all up in there. (gasps) So she's alive, but something very wrong is with her, right? She's like really sick. What's going on? She's holding on to something. It's like this piece of paper with a ribbon attached, a purple ribbon, and it said, Dear God, please forgive me. I didn't mean to hurt her. Okay, well, this looks like a suicide slash confession note. So they immediately put her in the police car and she had whispered to them. And by the way, she's like in this drug daze, right? She's not really cohesive. She just says, please don't let them get away with murder. They're like, what? But when they ask her, like, what? She doesn't respond. She's like out of it. So now in police custody, doctors take a look at her. She said she took about three bottles of pills, doesn't know which ones they were, doesn't know how many of each she took. The doctors find out that she took a very strong painkiller mixed with a prescription drug to lower blood pressure. She might have taken close to like 30 pills. If she didn't throw up, she would have been dead. There was no question about it. She was really sick. But the whole time, all she kept asking was, is my dad okay? Is my dad okay? To them, I mean, this is really bizarre for the police. A 14-year-old girl who is so calculated and cold-hearted that she kills her own stepmom, but now that she's caught, she's like, is my dad okay? Like, she doesn't sound like the selfish kid anymore. It's like, what's going on? So they get her changed out of her clothes, and even though she's still actively throwing up, barely conscious, the police start questioning her. Without an, at- without an attorney, without a parent present, they're just like, do you know why you're here? Because I hurt Linda. Okay, well, Linda's dead, so we're going to read you your Miranda rights. How many times did you fire the gun? Three times. One in Patty's room, two in Linda. Do you get along with Linda? I got along with my dad, but Linda wanted me out of the house, told me that if I don't leave the house by the time she wakes up, she's going to kill me. Why did she want you gone? I don't know. I guess I'm daddy's daughter. She's jealous. I don't know. We don't get along. So at one point, Cinnamon is like literally closing her eyes and the police officer is like, hey, you don't have to keep your eyes open to talk to me. Like, I don't know why this police officer just was doing this. This was too much. So here are the facts. She states that she finds the gun in her dad's drawer in the office, shot it in Patty's room, not to kill her, but because she wanted to see if it worked. She had never really like shot a gun at someone before. And then uh, she went into Linda's room and shot Linda twice. And then took the pills? Yeah. And then she passed out. So then she was rushed to the hospital in and out of consciousness. There was a police officer stationed in her room at all times. And she would just start confessing. And it was really strange. According to the book, it went something like this. Haven't slept for 24 hours. Had an accident. Killed my stepmom. Didn't do it on purpose. Didn't mean to. She was hurting me. She hated me. She wanted to kill me. She wanted me out of the house. Got the gun out the drawer. I was angry. She hurt my little sister. So it seemed strange. Like, it's almost like she's, I mean, it's bizarre, right? Yeah. So it's not self-defense. It's not accidental. Is this first-degree murder? And that's what the detectives want to know. They start asking those that were close to Cinnamon. Turns out she really didn't have anyone. She had one good friend named Krista, and she was shocked. She said, this is insane. Cinnamon would never. She doesn't have a violent bone in her body. She doesn't drink. She doesn't do drugs. The only thing, she would do the smallest thing. And her dad would ground her for weeks. 
She wasn't allowed to tell people her telephone number, her address, nothing. I mean, I just can't believe Cinnamon's mom, Brenda, was like, you what? No, she never tried to commit suicide because that's what David was alleging. Like she was trying to unalive herself all the time. And she's like, that never happened. I mean, yeah, she was a brat sometimes, but every 14 year old girl is a brat sometimes. Mm -hmm. And she tells the police something very interesting. Well, David and Patty just stopped by. And they told me to make sure that Cinnamon sounds crazy. What? Now, David did pay an amazing attorney to represent Cinnamon. And it seems like maybe the police with that fact and the fact that David is going around telling his family to make Cinnamon look crazy. They think that maybe the dad's looking out for her, making her easier to get like an insanity plea. Makes sense. It's not necessarily like, oh, God, what did he do? Now, the whole time that Cinnamon is still in the hospital and all she cared about was, does my dad still love me? So she's denied bail. It's going to be a no jury trial, just her judge. She's going to be tried as an adult. And her dad visited her often while she was waiting for trial, told her, I'm going to bring you home. This is it. You know, you're going to we're going to bring you home. You're probably going to have to see a psychiatrist maybe like twice or three times a week. But look at you. You're 14. You're going to come home. Everything's going to be okay." And she believed it. Nothing registered in Cinnamon's head how serious this was. So when the trial comes along, David's not there. He's just gone. He's not there. Apparently, he had a doctor's note said that he needed a bed rest because of all of his lists of illnesses. And she was found guilty of first degree murder. Now it was time for her attorneys to try to convince the judge, listen, she's kind of crazy. okay? so give her like less time. Just put her in that hospital. Don't put her in like a youth facility, please. We beg you. Right. And at this point, Cinnamon claims, I don't remember confessing to anyone. I don't remember anything that happened that night. She's changing up her story. She says, nope, I went from saying I shot her to I don't even remember saying that. Because this is after the fact that she realized she's going to go to jail. Yeah. And her dad has been talking to her. So she suddenly switched her story from, oh, yeah, I shot Linda to, I don't know. I don't remember anything. Not that the father is no longer in the picture. Yeah. So now she's like, nope, I didn't do that. Yeah. So then the sentencing, the judge was not lenient. She was sentenced to 27 years to life. She would probably be like 42 years old by the time that she gets out, the earliest. Later, they would actually change this so that she, the earliest parole is like when she's like 20 something. But who cares? I mean, when you're 15, even three years is the rest of your life. And she was going to be sent to Ventura Youth Facility. They call it the Ventura School, but it's like a youth prison. It's not it's not a school. It's not like a boarding school, right? Case closed. Orange County must move on. There's more killers to catch. Let's go. Put this 14-year-old in prison. Yes, there was like a press bomb. It was gnarly. It was insane. It went on national TV. But we've got more coming. So like, let's put her away and forget about it. I mean, she was essentially shut off from the world. Cinnamon thought that David and the baby were together and that Patty was going to go back to her family because she's only 17 and she could only have visitors every other Saturday. So Cinnamon's thinking, well, my mom's going to come. My dad's going to come. But she had this like little fear in the back of her mind that everyone on the outside would just forget about her. So at this point, I feel like we still don't know the truth yet. No, not yet. Oh, shit. So then District Attorney Jay Newell, who was in charge of this case, noticed something at the sentencing. The sentencing was the only time that David Brown stepped foot in the courtroom, which Jay already thought that that was weird. DAJ was like, that's just strange. Like, why wouldn't he be here? Like, I get that you're sick, but like coming in a wheelchair. This Mm -hmm. is your daughter. And he finally saw David Brown in person. And David was pulling Brenda's hair. Just like, you know, how like a little kid bully would. And his ex-wife is like, stop, and like swatted at him with her hand like you would a fly. What? Why was he doing that? DAJ is looking, 
and he kicks the back of Brenda's chair with his foot and he's like kind of smirking and Brenda turns around and is like stop and that's just weird you know this is your daughter's trial for murder for murdering your current wife and he's playing around like some playground bully and he would never forget this moment this moment for DAJ would actually lead to a series of insane events that almost gets Jay killed but there's no way he would have foreseen any of that So then after this sentencing, he's thinking about all this stuff. Like, why did he pull her hair? Why did he kick her chair? And he comes out and Detective Fred, who works for the sheriff's department, says, hey, listen, something weird's going on. I know the case is closed and we got sentencing. We got the conviction, but something strange. I just ran into David Brown's sister. So Mm -hmm. the dad's sister. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, I almost didn't come today. I came for cinnamon. I hate David. I hate my brother, David. I mean, he's just a messed up guy. Linda was miserable with him. They were always fighting. She hated being home. And they were like, oh, oh, is it because of Cinnamon? Like, she didn't like being home? No, no. Cinnamon and Linda got along just fine. Linda loved Cinnamon, honestly. She lived in the trailer because Patty didn't want to share her room. Patty just always gets her way with David, huh? Did you know one time? Linda told me, David's sister, that Patty had killed one of Cinnamon's puppy before. I don't know. Patty's just a smug little bitch. This is is David's sister saying this. Whenever Cinnamon got in trouble, it seemed like Patty loved it. She hated sharing with anybody else, even though, I mean, this house isn't even hers. She's a guest of Linda's. She just seemed like she didn't even like sharing the house with Linda. Anyway, did you guys know since the murder, David and Patty are inseparable? My parents told me. They just drop off the little baby at my parents' house and David and Patty run off to do, I don't know, God knows what. My whole family thinks it's weird that they're still together like why isn't patty with her family she's 17 she's a minor she should be with her family right so detective fred runs to daj and is like let me tell you what i just heard right but what can they do none of this made sense i mean none of the case really made sense why didn't david go and check on his wife Mm-hmm. That just like, OK, fine. You're squeamish with blood, but that's strange. Why call your dad? Which, by the way, David's dad, like I said, he wasn't the person that ran the house. It was his mom. His dad is very meek. His dad is very like uh, indecisive, goes with the flow. Why would you call that person mm-hmm. in a time of crisis? None of this is making any sense. I mean, his alibi checks out. But but why is also Cinnamon living in that trailer? And why does Patty get the best of the best? Because if anything, it should be the other way. Yeah. Cinnamon is David's biological daughter. And Cinnamon sounded like she was reciting a script. And then she miraculously just forgot everything. Just so weird. I feel personally attacked by what I'm about to talk about next, okay? But um, are you guys on this boat with me? Are you engaged? But you're like, well, what's next? Are we having a wedding? If we do have a wedding, that seems like a lot of work. How are we going to do such a wedding? When are we going to do a wedding? Okay, that is me. That's me and my fiance. If you guys don't know, we've been engaged for the longest time because planning weddings just seems like such a daunting task. We're moving close to our family. Maybe we will throw a wedding this year. Maybe next year. Soon for sure. I have a laundry list of things to do, but I don't even know where to begin. And that is where Zola comes in handy. Zola makes wedding planning easier and less stressful by creating everything couples need all in one place. So whether you're saving your wedding vendors save the dates invitations free websites registry more they're all on zola it's so easy to get started even from the comfort of your home there's no need to keep track of multiple sites or have like a zillion tabs open and then your computer freezes and then you lose everything don't take it from me there are over a million couples already obsessed with 
with Zola. I mean, it just makes planning so convenient and a blast. I've actually started using Zola, so I'm like, okay, like let me slowly get into this wedding world. Let me see what's what's going on with our wedding. You can plan your whole wedding right from your couch online with their five-star app. You save a ton of time using tools that all work together in perfect harmony. Now, here's the cool part. Weddings are expensive enough. Planning doesn't have to be. All of Zola's tools are completely free to use, plus free guest addressing and free shipping and returns every day. They've got your back. Having a virtual event, you can actually stream it on your Zola website for free. You can actually even get free personalized paper samples to try Zola out before you purchase. See what all those five-star reviews are about. Go to Zola.com slash Rotten today and use promo code SAVE50. That's SAVE50 to get 50% off your save the dates. To get 50% off your save the dates. For peace of mind, you'll receive a free change the dates with your purchase. That's crazy. That's Zola.com slash Rotten promo code SAVE50. The detectives wouldn't know it then, but later it came out that a close friend of Linda's, that when Linda was pregnant with Crystal, she was emotional. She said, listen, I think Patty and David are sleeping together. She's like, Linda, you're crazy. Why would your, first of all, your sister's like, what, 16 years old? No, you're, no, I'm serious. So I told David to take my sister home because I just didn't like this energy in the house. And he packed up all of our stuff. They got into the car. But before they came home, he called me and said, I'm not going to go back home without Patty. That's just the way it's going to be. And they came back home together. And then David told me that Patty does have a crush on him. She tried to make a move on him, but he denied it because, you know, she's 16. And he said, it's not even that important. She's a child. This is like one of those schoolgirl crushes. And he told me to let it go. And I tried to let it go, but I just, it's bothering me. Especially because I'm pregnant. So for the first time, Linda, in her early 20s, I mean, she was, quote unquote, losing her figure. She's she's beautiful, okay? But I think that we can all understand and sympathize with this type of insecurity. She was hormonal. She felt like she was, you know, getting these stretch marks. Meanwhile, Patty is wearing the shortest shorts and seemed like she was actively trying to seduce David. So she was just getting upset. But then when she had the baby, David was all over Crystal. And it seemed like things were getting better. So Linda just told her friends, I think it was just the pregnancy blues. I think it was just hormones. Now, Cinnamon's in prison. The case is technically closed, but DAJ just can't let it go. So he starts kind of investigating in his free time. I mean, he's just snooping around, looking at records. What's going on with this family? Keeping his eye out for stuff. Now, what I'm going to tell you is what is actually happening. So David and Patty and Crystal move back into that house. They're packing things up after Linda's murder. They're trying to buy a new place. They invite a lot of Linda's best friends to come over and help watch the baby, help take care of stuff. And they thought it was so strange. This Linda's best friend said, I mean, David is so weird. He told me that he's so scared of sleeping alone that he wants us to sleep with him. Me and Patty in the same mattress in his office. But he wants to sleep in the middle between both of us. What? So I told him that's absolutely weird. Like just even if Linda wasn't just recently murdered and this is the house that she was murdered in. Like that's, that's so bizarre. But he tried to convince her. So she finally relented and she slept on one corner. Patty slept in the middle and David slept on the other side. I mean, is just so David strange. trying to pull a move on her. It seems like it. I mean, she just kept saying that he just had this sexual energy going around. And then there were some other strange things that she noticed. So one time Patty's friend came over and David was like, let me drop you back off at home. So he leaves with Patty's friend and Patty was pissed when he gets back home. She's like, why did it take so long? Where Did you guys stop by somewhere? 
like just very bizarre not something a sister-in-law would do like i would never ask my brother-in-law that i'd be like oh hey welcome back home i guess you know like that's so strange see she seemed jealous there was this weird energy going on so later she told all of her friends she believed that patty killed linda because she had known cinnamon cinnamon just was not capable and it's strange that patty is replacing linda you don't think that's weird but what can they do I mean, Cinnamon, she confessed, she had attempted suicide. There's nothing that they can do. And on top of that, she wasn't the only one that noticed. So David banked with Home Savings of America, and he had always been a VIP client. He always had 250K in checking at all times, like he was a VVIP. And before the murder, he would always come in with Linda, who just like follow him around, never really allowed to talk to people. She just stood there, kind of sad. It was so sad to the point that Linda would talk to these bank employees as if she was just desperate to talk to someone. But then after the murder, employees were shocked because they had heard the news and David was walking in and they were like, oh my God, am I seeing a ghost? Uh-huh. But it wasn't Linda. It was Patty wearing Linda's clothes, wearing Linda's jewelry, holding Crystal on her hip like that child was hers. And all of it was so strange. It was like this uncanny feeling of like, what the fork? This is just Linda pre-baby, much younger. Like it was just the amount that they looked the same was scary to people. And he came in to deposit insurance checks that would be almost $2.5 million in today's money. Oh, my God. Now, everyone at the bank thought it was weird because Linda was a housewife and she was insured for this much. That's weird because typically insurance insurance companies, they like to go after like, well, how much monetary value are you contributing to the household? So if you die, how much technically this sounds so bad, but that's kind of how they do it. How much money is the family going to lose? Mm hmm. Right. So that they thought that was weird. But, you know, David went on to say, well, she knew everything about the business. Now I have to replace her. She was absolutely brilliant. I'll never find someone like, you know, Linda. Now, according to the book and rules research, Linda was beautiful. She was sweet. But brilliant wasn't the word that everyone would use with her. So it seemed like David was just like really playing it up. Right. Mm -hmm. So then they used this money to buy a new mansion in Anaheim Hills for nine hundred thousand dollars. They paid in full in cash. Damn. David's parents move in to help raise the baby. They thought it was weird because slowly Patty would replace all the pictures with Linda with her own pictures. Bizarre. Family and friends of Patty's family, they were grossed out because Patty was constantly wearing Linda's things. Like, what is she doing? And it was very obvious that they were having sex, you know, like Mm -hmm. no one was saying it out loud, but they knew. Mm-hmm. And they were spending crazy money, just buying new cars every month, new jewelry, renovating the new house. Like it was just insanity. Now, meanwhile, at the same time, David is going around to anyone who will listen, saying things like, listen, you don't know how hard it is to get over the loss of your wife, have a motherless baby. But, you know, I'm still concerned for my daughter in jail. I can't let her go. She's still my child. I can't turn my back on her when she needs me the most. But he was doing great. Because he got into another small fender bender and made $100,000 in insurance money on that too. So then he flies him and Patty to Las Vegas and he gets married for the sixth time to Patty. And they don't tell anyone. He would later flat out deny it, but uh, he's a bozo because there's actually legal documents. Even if you do like the private marriage, like police can find that you're married. Come on, let's be real, right? He also had a prenup that his attorney was in charge of taking. And the prenup was insane. Like David would get everything. He would get the house, all their cash. That was like $1.5 million. He would get all the cars, all the furniture, the decor, the whole business. They had a rare coin collection that was worth close to a million dollars. He had paintings valued collectively at $1.5 million. 
Wow, he is very wealthy, huh? Yeah, and Patty would get absolutely nothing. And he kept telling Patty, no matter what you do, don't tell anyone, especially Cinnamon. So DAJ Newell, he's still keeping track of David Brown's movements. He doesn't know that he's married, right? Because that would raise a lot of red flags. But he knew something weird was going on. He knew that Patty was living in his new house. Mm -hmm. And he knew that he had bought a new house, right? So he confronts David's dad one day. And David's dad tells David and he freaks out. He shredded the prenup. He shredded the marriage papers. And he just told anyone, family, I don't want you talking to anybody. I don't care if it's the neighbor. I don't care if it's the gardener. Don't talk to anyone. He put his parents on lockdown and he put Patty on lockdown, made her wear a tracker. She could never leave the house unless he was with her at all times. Now, this is something that's going to bite him in the butt because she gets pregnant. And everyone's like, well, who's the baby? Who's the baby daddy? Like, who's uh, the father? Because she's not even allowed out of the house. Uh -huh. Who could it be? And he says, oh, well, you know, there's this guy named Doug. He's He drives a Camaro. <laughs> They're like, okay, what the heck? He's Greek. Yeah, they did it. When? Just whenever Patty gets out. Yeah, he's Greek. He drives a Camaro. They did it in the Camaro, I'm sure. Yeah, it was just a lot. So he tries to convince Patty to get an abortion and he was not successful. She was like, no, absolutely not. She wanted a baby of her own. And honestly, in Patty's mind at the time, she thought that this baby would tie them together forever, like Crystal did with David and Linda. So she gives birth to a baby girl by the name of Heather. Now, David did not fall in love with Heather like he did with Crystal. In fact, he hated Heather and he hated Patty. Now, the book points out that Patty's attempt to keep David was the thing that made him not want her mm. because he likes teenage girls and her body had changed after birth. She had matured physically and he didn't want her. That's crazy. He wanted someone without stretch marks, which, by the way, um, I have stretch marks. I haven't given birth yet, so I don't know what that means. Would never acknowledge Heather as his daughter, even to Patty. Like, can you imagine? Patty's like, you're insane. Like, you know that we've only had sex. Like, I haven't had sex with anyone else. He's like, mm, that's Doug's daughter. She's like, I don't even know a Doug. Who the fork is Doug? Show me Doug. Mm -hmm. He was like, he's Greek, drives a Camaro. So he's just denying Heather. Just bizarre. To make it even weirder, he tries to get insurance on a newborn for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And no insurance company accepted. And it got so bad that Patty hit rock bottom and she started trying to take her own life. Now, at this point, sitting in prison, we've got cinnamon and she is absolutely refusing psychiatric treatment. I mean, these therapists, they're constantly going up to her and they're like, this is part of your parole. Like, if you ever want to be paroled, you have to, you know, you have to talk to us. Mm -hmm. We're your therapist. What's wrong with you? You keep saying that you don't remember anything. How do you not remember anything? And they were getting annoyed she was getting good grades. She was one of the top volunteer and workers at the center. Like, what's going on? And she had all this new time to start wondering things. So Cinnamon starts wondering, well, why don't I have my dad's address? Why won't he give it to me? He won't even give me his phone number. I have to call his business phone to talk to him. He doesn't even visit me anymore after the trial. He just throws money into my commissary account, calls it a day, and I just can't shake that feeling. So she had this one memory that would keep coming up to her was when she caught David and Patty making out before all of this. They had all went to a Kmart, the whole family, and Linda said, oh man, Crystal just, you know, like peed herself, I need to change her in the car, you guys go ahead. So the three of them, they walk in, and Cinnamon was looking for her own things, and when she found it, she ran to go find her dad so they could check out. She turned the aisle and sees David and Patty 
making out just freaking intense so she starts running away because she's like what did i just see like this is my sister she's like my age what the fork is going on like her life was shattered and her dad chases after you and she's like no i saw you and he's like i'm sorry that you had to see that but kissing patty was an accident that just like happened two seconds ago and he's saying that okay and she's like what what are you talking about please just don't say anything So then they get back into the car and she just wanted to throw up, but she felt worse because Linda was so worried. Linda even came into the backseat and was like, are you okay? Are you feeling sick? Like what's going on? The only people visiting Cinnamon at this point were her grandparents and they had mentioned that Patty's pregnant. And Cinnamon thought that that's so strange. You know, I just don't get any of this. She had no idea what to think. And she also had no idea that the minute that she turned 18, there were two men just itching to talk to her. Okay, that sounds creepy. <laughs> but um, because when she turns 18, DAJ and Detective Fred, who works for the sheriff's office, they didn't have to tell anyone when they came to talk to her. They didn't have to mm-hmm. alert her parents. They didn't have to alert her attorney because she was an adult. So they were just itching to talk to her when she turns 18. And she's slowly in prison getting angrier and angrier and angrier. Uh, who? David. Okay. David would say that his business is slow, going broke. But then his grandma would come and grandma would be like, oh, yeah, he just bought a new Mercedes. David would say, oh, I'm just so miserable. I I wish I was in here. I wish I could just die. I'm just so sick of heartaches and all of that. I just sit at home. But anytime she called, grandma would pick up and say, oh, he went to the movies with Patty. He said that there was no insurance on Linda. But grandma and grandpa are saying that they bought this new house all cash. Yes, he got insurance. All he does is lie. So before DAJ went to talk to Cinnamon, he actually sent Cinnamon a bunch of pictures of the new mansion that David and Patty were living in, the cars that they were driving, just wanted her to see, hey, I'm not trying to like do anything to you. Like, I'm not trying to like rat out your dad. I'm just trying to show you the truth. So then she called him and said, "Okay, I think I'm ready to talk. DAJ and Fred go to question Cinnamon and they record the whole thing. And they said, let's start from the beginning. So it all started months before the murder. I was out with my dad and Patty and Linda was at home. So when we got, we parked the car in the driveway. Patty ran into the house first, but almost immediately she ran out looking terrified. She said, well, I heard Linda on the phone just now talking to her twin brother. So Linda has a twin named Alan and they're planning on killing you, David. And they're all like, what? And Cinnamon thought that Patty was joking. Like, what are you talking about? Right? She was like, get out of here. But Patty looked petrified. I mean, she no, she seriously was. So when they walk in, they pretend to Linda that they didn't hear anything. And Cinnamon was just confused. She was like, "Okay, this family's weird, but whatever. Tried to forget about it. And the next day in the car, it's just the three of them again. And Patty kept saying, Linda's going to kill David. And this time, David looked at Cinnamon and says, yeah, she's going to do it. Just believe me. I'm your father. She's going to kill me. I know it. Again, she was like, you guys are so crazy. But they kept telling her, no, she's going to kill David. So anytime the three of them were alone in the car, which was often, you know, they would constantly talk about how to kill Linda. Now, Cinnamon would be like, cut it out, guys. Like, what's wrong with you? And they would say things like, either we get rid of Linda or I have to leave. What do you mean, dad? What do you mean you have to leave? Why don't you just get a divorce? No. She's still going to kill me if I divorce her. I'll just leave you guys with everything and I'll leave by myself and start over. That's just like, I don't know, like give her some money and make her leave or something. I don't know. And Patty's like, no way. That's not going to work. I know my sister. We have to kill her. Well, how do you guys plan on even killing her? And Patty's like, well, what if we just hit her on the head with a hammer? Wouldn't that work? 
And David's like, well, if you hit her hard enough in the right place, it probably would kill her. But what about you, Cinnamon? Don't you have any suggestions? Um, well, I saw in the movies that you, like, get them in a bath and, like, throw in a toaster or something. But I don't know if that works in real life. Like, electrocute them in the bath. And Patty's like, no, it's not going to work. My sister only takes showers. And she started laughing. So Patty's laughing now. And Cinnamon's like, okay, this is some sort of weird joke. Like, maybe my humor is not working because I don't see the funniness of it. But, okay, that's fine. A little while later, though, her dad pulls her aside and says, we have to do it. We have to do it ASAP. We can't delay it any longer because she's going to kill me. Well, how are you going to do it? Well, we need your help, Cinnamon. Do you love me? I love you. Don't be stupid. How much do you love me? I love you a lot. I love you more than anything. What would you do for me? Would you do anything for me? Yeah, I mean, I love you. And she starts getting emotional because she thinks he's going to leave. He's going to say goodbye now. And she says, please don't leave. Please don't leave. Well, then how are you going to help me? I need your help. I need you to help me get rid of her. So she says, do you want me to kill her? Yes. I want you to help. Yes. If you have the stomach for it, I want you to do it. So she starts freaking out and he says, if you love me, trust me. Just believe what I say. I'm your father and I know what's best. We have to do it tonight on the highway. We're going to put her in the car, open the door and throw her out. And we're going to tell the cops that it was an accident. We didn't close the door all the way. So we're going to pretend like we're going out to eat dinner and that's when we're going to do it. So they all get into the car with the baby and everything. And on the highway, Cinnamon's freaking out, but Patty doesn't do it. So she's like, okay, maybe this is truly some sort of weird joke. Once they get to the restaurant, Patty's like, wait, Cinnamon, stay outside with me. And she starts telling her, you got to do it. No, if you love your dad, then you have to do it. If you actually loved your dad, you would do this without even hesitating. And Cinnamon's like, no, I'm not going to do it. All of them get home in one piece, and this was a month before the actual murder. Then David had a new kind of favor. Instead of asking his daughter to kill his stepmom, or his wife, right? He wanted to, his daughter to write a suicide note. So he would coach her, right? Dear God, please forgive me. So she's writing it. If he didn't like it, he would flush it. And he told her, okay, now take this one and hide it in the trailer. And she did. And she thought, maybe this is the end. This is weird. But they never stopped bringing it up. David told Cinnamon a hundred times that he needed her to die for him to live. And the police felt like, I mean, she was becoming desensitized to it, Cinnamon. Like at first she was like, oh my God, what's wrong with you guys? And then slowly it was just like pounded into her brain. And it's coming from an authority figure, someone she loves, someone she, that she trusts. So they had multiple plans. We're going to go camping, shoot Linda. But then that didn't work. And then finally, the night of the murder, after everyone went home after playing Uno, David was like, we got to do it now. We have to do it now, now, now. It has to be done. And Linda was showering. So Cinnamon's like, what are you talking about? And David says, and to quote, if you love me, you'll do it. If you really love me, you'll do it. But then David just goes to bed with Linda. So she's like, okay, maybe this is another, like, what is going on? I mean, imagine a 14-year-old. She's so confused. So she goes to sleep in Patty's room. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, David's in the room. Girls, wake up, wake up, wake up. We have to do it now. Patty jumped up and almost looked like she knew what was coming. And dad brought Cinnamon a bunch of pills. Here, take these. Because we need to make it look like you killed yourself. Is it going to hurt? No, no, it's not. Just take them. So she starts taking them. And he would not let her stop. I mean, she took so many pills. Like, she was going to die. He turned off the alarm, gave her the gun, and told her she had to do it. 
and afterwards, try to shoot yourself. What? Just turn the gun on you and shoot yourself. But like, don't actually kill yourself, you know, Cinnamon, because I love you. Um, just like try to like blow, like a, like nick your head a little. Like have it graze your head so that the police know that you tried. She's like, I can't do this. Cinnamon, you have to. You're the youngest. If Patty does it, she's 17, you know, she's going to be in prison forever. If I do it, I'm going to go to old man jail. And oh, you know my health problems. I can't do that. I'm going to kill myself before I go there. Do you want me to kill myself? No, because you love me, right? Then it has to be you, Cinnamon. So he puts the gun in her hand. And he keeps promising her, don't worry, you're not going to get any jail time because you're young. And she shot Linda. Twice. She hid in the doghouse. And thankfully, her body rejected the pills because David didn't want it to look like she was trying to commit suicide. David wanted her to die. Like, it was part of the plan. The amount of pills that he gave, the like, the police said, there's no way that you can, even as, like, a sniper, it's so hard to shoot yourself close range in the head without at least blowing off half your face or at least an ear. Like, you're just, <laughs> it's not possible. A full-grown adult knows this. So she gets arrested, confesses to the murders. And then when she was in jail, her dad told her, actually, forget it. Go with a new plan. Just tell them you forgot everything. She said, but dad, I didn't. Okay, but anyways, just tell them you forgot everything. Because if you talk, you'll mess up and then we're all screwed. But don't worry, I'll get you out. So she pretended to forget everything. Now, the police asked her, why are you telling us this now? And she said she felt like she was manipulated by her father the whole time. And I think it just took some time for her to sit here. She was journaling because, you know, her psychiatrist told her. And she realized that she wouldn't have done this if her dad didn't keep saying, like, you'll do this if you love me. Like, do you love me? How much do you love? You have to prove to me that you love me. So the only way to get David in jail was to implicate him. There was just no way he was going to talk to the police. So they wired up Cinnamon and they had her call David and said, listen, dad, you need to come ASAP because I've got some problems. And David was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? You got some problems. And she said, well, I can't talk about it. So just be here Saturday or be square. Hung up the phone. So, so right now, up. Cinema is working with the police. Yeah. yeah. Trying to catch him. But would that let her out or? No. Oh. Yeah. She wasn't even expecting a deal. Wow. She didn't go in this with the intention. She was like, obviously, I'd like to be paroled one day. Mm-hmm. But no. Yeah. So he comes in and he's panicked and he's like, what's going on? What's what's wrong, my love? Like, I love you so much. How are you, my love, 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 you know, just like bombing her with affection. And she's just saying, I'm confused because they're keeping me in here. You told me you'd get me out. And what was the purpose of all of this? I'm lying during therapy and my therapist knows it. They know I'm lying. (sighs) All of this. Well, all of this happened because Linda was on drugs. You know, cocaine, all that nasty stuff. I'm still getting stalked. You know, Linda owed money to the mafia. The mafia wanted my business. They wanted it real bad. Oh, real bad. So they were trying to kill me to get to Linda. So that Linda would inherit the business and she would have all the money, all the power. That's why Linda died. Anyway, you know, I mean, it's my business. I did the Pentagon, the Challenger. I mean, he's still bringing it up in prison while he's meeting his like girl not girlfriend not wife a freaking daughter while he's meeting his daughter the mafia wants it they want the process yeah they want the q-tips give me the q-tips the mafia said but cinnamon kept pressing well what do you want me to tell the board they know that i'm lying well worse comes to worse cinnamon patty's just gonna take your place 
What are you talking about? She's going to confess. You'll be free. She'll take your place. He's like acting like he can just swap inmates. Like that's not realistic at all. Okay. There have been so many cases where multiple people confess to. There is someone literally on death row convicted of a crime. Someone else confessed. Like it's a show. They're both going to be in prison. Like what are you talking about? Patty's going to take the blame for it. Just stick to your story. Say that you don't know anything. Patty's moving out, by the way. Well, she's kind of moving out, by the way. They, had, they just don't have solid evidence on you. It'd be easy for Patty to replace you. She's going to confess. Besides, you're my daughter. You're the one that I'm proud of. Well, who's the father of Patty's child then? Oh, man. Guy named Doug. He's a real creep. He's Greek. Did I tell you that? He also hits her. He drives, drives a, a Camaro. Camaro. <laughs> 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 yes. So you're not the father? Hell no. Are you kidding? I haven't been with a woman in so long that I don't even know if I prefer men now. You think I'm joking? I'm serious, Cinnamon. Now, this is weird because the police were like, what kind of dad talks to their daughter about stuff like this? Yeah. Just weird. So then Cinnamon demands that Patty comes the next visitation. She wants to talk to Patty. So then Patty and David come. Cinnamon was wired up again. And both of them were like, oh, yeah, Patty's going to confess. She's going to take your place. And then Cinnamon was calling bullshit. Like, you can't just swap inmates. That's just not how it works. You guys are idiots. Do you think I'm an idiot? Mm-hmm. And suddenly they start gaslighting her. Like, really, I'm not overusing that word in this term. They're like, no. Oh, you want to know the truth of that night? The truth is, I don't remember a thing, Cinnamon. So bad what happened, huh? But I, I don't remember a thing. So they're trying to burn the bridges now. They're trying to just keep her in there. Mm-hmm. Trying to pretend they didn't, they're not involved. They have no idea what she's talking about. You're so crazy, Cinnamon. What are you talking about? Side note, at one point, Cinnamon was like, I saw you guys kiss once at Kmart. Would that be considered incest? And David says, a lot of parents kiss their kids on the mouth. I think I try to feel more for Patty since my insecurity at the time. Fathers do it with their daughters. I mean, you know, that's not unusual. As a matter of fact, it's very common. They have sex with their daughters. It doesn't make any difference to them. Just whoever's handy. What? He say fathers have sex with their daughters? Yeah, just whoever's handy. So then the police, they have this, they have hours and hours of audio, they go back, they break it down, and without David and Patty ever admitting guilt, without ever putting it together, unknowingly, both of them had implicated themselves, but also corroborated Cinnamon's version of events. Nice. So they go and they arrest both of them. We've got a very different kind of sponsor for this episode. Okay, you guys know I'm obsessed with podcasts. I'm obsessed with filming podcasts, but also listening. And one of my favorite types of podcasts to listen to are guest-focused podcasts. Maybe it's because we don't have guests on our show, but I just love the interaction, especially if the guest is a fascinating person. And my favorite that I've been binge listening to is the Jordan Harbinger Show. This is a podcast that you guys should be listening to. And I mean, I know that every day someone's coming up to you like, oh my God, you got to listen to this podcast. And you're like, yeah, okay, I'll listen to the podcast. No, but really, Jordan's show, which Apple named one of its best of 2018, is aimed at making you feel better informed. So it helps you become a better critical thinker. You get a sense of how the world is actually working. You can form your own opinion. And each episode is a conversation with a fascinating guest. Okay, when I say that it's fascinating, I mean it. So there's this one episode where Jordan talks to a hostage negotiator from the FBI. What? So this person, this negotiator, offers techniques on how to get people to like you and trust you which sounds 
yeah, it sounds useful, but it is also very terrifying at the same time. And if you listen to it, I mean, you're going to be hooked. And I think the thing that makes it stand out is that Jordan is almost like an FBI agent. He has this way where he just gets these guests to open up and just really be transparent on the show, which makes for amazing content, amazing conversation. There's another episode where a cinematographer discovers a lost city in the jungle. Okay, like what? They get lost in the jungle and they find a lost city. <laughs> like I, I'm at a loss for words. And I love the fact that this is like not one of those podcasts that's just like self-help and they're just like, feel good about yourself. They have lots of concrete wisdom and he gets like experts on his show that just give you the lowdown on things. You're like, I didn't even know that that existed. We both are really enjoying the show and we think that you guys will too. There's just so much there. So check out jordanharbinger.com slash start for some episode recommendations or search the Jordan Harbinger show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So David was interviewed and he just like from the get go was like, ah, well, I got all these health problems and I'm suicidal. Did I tell you all that? And they just straight up were like, well, do you remember the night of the murder? And he says, well, I remember we made love. What? Who? Yes, me and Linda, we made love. I don't know if it was sex. That was something I loved about Linda, you know? She had quirks, things that she loved to do. One of her things, whenever possible, was to drive me crazy, get me crawling and screaming. That's what I'm talking about. She loved to kiss me, touch me, you know, foreplay, whatever you call it. That night I climaxed, I know that for sure. What? Yeah, Linda probably used her hands. We like to keep the fire going, the excitement going. She knew what I liked and how to take care of me. We tried very often not to have the same thing every night. Sir, this is Arby's. No, like, sir, we just want to know if you remember the night of the murder. Like, why are you talking about your, you know, past wife like this? Like, this is really weird. So then he went on to like point fingers at Patty. Like, I'm scared of her. I'm scared to live with her. Listen, you guys, you don't understand. She's dangerous. And at one point, he let it slip. Patty talks in her sleep. You know, she's crazy. How do you know that? How do you know that Patty talks in her sleep? She has um, Garfield Napatak syndrome. What? Patty has Garfield Napatak syndrome, where she just falls asleep instantly at any place. She could be driving a car, falls asleep. That's why I don't let her drive. I mean, is he implying that Patty is narcoleptic? Possibly. I don't know. But she's not. So he's just trying to like make up for that, right? So they didn't really get anything out of this. They throw him in prison. And now they think that Patty Bailey is going to open up. This is the entry point. But she just kept saying, I don't remember a thing. They play the tape where, you know, David keeps telling Cinnamon that he's terrified of Patty. You know, all of these things. But she still protected David for the time being. And in jail, David immediately starts writing Patty love letters every single day. Some of them were signed by Doug. They were hot and steamy so that he can't be implicated, you know for doing it with Patty. Some of them were signed by David. In his letter, he would say things like, Patty, don't let them win. Don't you see that this is what they want to separate us, to make us hurt each other, drive us apart? The only family that matters is ours. Doug wants you to know, okay? He loves you, Patty, more than life itself. No past, only future. Let your marriage grow. We can still be family. Cinnamon is evil. I'm going to take you to the zoo. SeaWorld, 
when we're done with this, I'm going to take you to SeaWorld. Love is forgetting and forgiving. That's a red flag. Okay, listen. If you ever came up to me and said, I have a poem for you, love is forgetting and forgiving, I'd probably punch you in the face. I'd be like, "Mm, no, that's not romantic at all. Okay. Love is the reason for living. Love is simple. It's you and I. It's not even that romantic. Yeah. Oh, this is his. He thought this was the best one. Ready? My love is a profound heartache and the fire of my soul lost whenever we are apart. The very fiber of my being becomes like dust. Huh. He said, huh. He should stick to Q-tips. <laughs> okay. So Patty tells the DA everything. She's like, you know what? I'm done with this guy. Look at these cheesy ass letters. I'm going to tell you guys from the beginning. So from the get go, when Patty had moved in with David and Linda, because she was being molested in her mom's house, David almost immediately started molesting her as well. He was nicer about it, though. And for an 11-year-old, she just thought, well, I guess these are the way things are in life. She had no idea that that's not how things work in the real world. And he kept telling her, this is how it is. Men just want to help the little girls that they love grow up so that they know what real love is. And he would fondle her and say things like, I'm just helping you develop. And sure enough, like the next year she got her period. So she thought, okay, like maybe this really is the way that it works. And he would say things like, well, you know that I saved you, right? What are you talking about? Your mom was going to sell you into prostitution. And I bought you for $10,000 to save you. And Patty said, and I quote, I loved living there. I got everything I wanted and I didn't have to worry about where the food was coming from. And he would promise her every single day, we're going to get married one day. And she had been groomed since she was 11. I mean, this was the only person that she really looked up to. Then the molestation got worse. I mean, he forced her into oral sex. I mean, it was just really bad. By the time that she was 15 years old, they were having sex. He was raping her. She told him that she didn't want to have sex anymore. And he made her feel guilty. Anytime David could, he would essentially rape her. When Linda was in the shower, when Linda was asleep, when Linda was out of the house, And Patty said, I loved my sister, but I loved David more. And David kept telling Patty for months that Linda's trying to kill him. So he put this seed inside of Patty first. So when Patty came home that day, remember Cinnamon said she ran out and was like, I heard Linda on the phone. Mm -hmm. Patty said, well, I didn't necessarily hear on the phone, but she was like whispering to someone. So I thought, oh, my God, she's plotting the murder. But Mm -hmm. in reality, she was probably whispering about how she's uncomfortable with Patty and David. So then she recounts the whole night of the murder. Now, Patty had never talked to Cinnamon unless it was taped by the police in the past like five years. Minus a few stupid details, the stories were identical. So, I mean, this is the truth. What did these girls really have to gain out of it? Meanwhile, in prison, David's going crazy. Patty isn't responding to his mail, so he meets a man by the name of Richard. By the way, David's humpy. Wow. And Richard's part of a biker game. He was trying to testify. I mean, Richard's like a martial arts dude. Very intimidating. Even a lot of the local cops in the area had respect for this guy for some reason, right? So David starts talking to him. Do you know people on the outside? Yeah, well, anything can be done for a price. And so they start shooting the shirts in jail. And David said, well, the prosecutor, I don't like him. His name is, you know, Mr. Robinson. I don't like him. My attorney told me he's really good and I should be worried. That guy's high profile. Never lost a case in his entire career. So here's what I want. I'm going to pay you close to $6 million. I've got money hidden in Joshua Tree. I've uh, dug a grave for it. I've got cash. This sounds like a movie. I don't know if that exists. $6 million? Yeah, the cash. For real? I don't know. They were never able to find it. I feel like she said they were never able to find it. Sorry. Yeah, they were never able to find it. And he said, we've got four phases. You're going to burn down my house. I need insurance money. 
Then you're going to help me break out of prison. And then I want three to five people dead. Who do you want dead? Mr. Robinson, the prosecutor. He's too good at his job. He's going to put me in prison. Jay Newell. Fork that guy. He works for the DA's office. He's the reason I'm in jail. Number three, I want Patty dead. Can't have her testifying against me. Also, even if she's dead, they might use her confession. So I want a cell plant. What do you mean? I want someone in prison, preferably someone that goes to jail soon, placed near Patty to go and tell the DA, Patty said she lied about everything. So another prisoner hears about this and goes to the police. (laughs) So then the police eventually confront Richard and he decides, you know what? I'll hang out with the cops. I'll play ball with the cops, including Jay Newell, the guy on his hit list. And he straight up asked Richard, were you going to kill me? He said, yeah, I was going to kill you for that amount of money. I couldn't have said no. Just straight up to his face. I'm not going to lie. I was going to kill you. So he's like, okay, well, we're going to pretend that you're being released from prison, from Orange County prison and put you in the Huntington Beach prison. But you're going to tell David that you're on the outside and you guys are going to keep in contact. Everything's going to be wired. We're going to be listening to everything recorded. And David's going to go down for conspiracy to commit murder, too. At one point on one of these phone calls, uh, Richard accuses David for liking the whole planning process too much. And he says, no, I don't. But when it comes to survival, okay, I'm not egotistical at all. I think you know that by now. But I think that I'm worth more than they are about the people he's trying to kill. Wow, this guy. So then at one point, they even send in an undercover cop to pretend that she's the potential cellmate for Patty, you know, Uh to discredit Patty's story. And he she meets she visits What's his name? David in prison. And he calls Richard and says, oh, my God, I met the girl. Her nickname's Smiley. She's beautiful. I told her that I'm worth like $10 million. And she said, I I, I told her I could take care of her for the rest of her life. I think we're going to start dating. Huh? Yeah, she's got a mouth that God designed for blowjobs. This is an undercover cop. So, you know, he gets booked for that. He finds out Richard was working with the police. He gets really pissed off. I mean, it was this whole ordeal. Other people get arrested. You know, David's brother gets arrested for doing the money drop off. It was just a whole show. Patty pleads guilty. She was barely 21 years old, was sentenced to 27 years to life, placed in the same facility as Cinnamon. Now, it's said that they did make amends. Cinnamon didn't really necessarily want to be best friends with Patty, but believed that Patty was brainwashed as well. Now, the trial, David was paying over a million dollars for his top-notch attorneys. Yeah, where Cinnamon and Patty would both be testifying against him. Neither of them were getting a deal out of this, so that looked really good for the prosecutors. And in walks David Brown. The press was shook. This is the guy? This is the guy with six wives? This is the guy that married his young woman? What the fork? He looks 50. And his attorney the whole time was nasty, just throwing the girls under the bus. These two girls, they have their own agenda, their own issues. They're going to lie as they've already lied before. They lie over and over and over again. They have their own motives. The murder for hire thing? This guy, look at this guy. He's innocent, you know? He just, he lost it. He lost it in jail. He was freaking out. He's just talking nonsense. That's all. Midlife crisis. And Patty? Patty, that, that one, she's a little temptress. An 11-year-old temptress. Okay, you call anyone underage a little temptress, you're disgusting. I side-eye you because the only thing minors tempt me to do is call their mom. Like, what are you talking about? How can a minor tempt you like that? Like, what are you talking? You're the problem. So they claimed that Patty forced herself onto David. Now, there were a lot of females on that jury and they were pissed off because they're thinking what we're thinking, which is what kind of 11-year-old forces a blowjob onto a 27-year-old man, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. no 11-year-old, that's who. 
He was found guilty of first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and special circumstances of murder, which means um, with the hope and expectation of finances, which, by the way, is like taken really seriously in the state of California. You can actually get the death penalty at that time for killing someone for money motivations. Life in prison, no parole. The judge even told him, if the death sentence was on the table, I would have no problem handing down the death sentence to you and compared him to Charles Manson and said, I am terrified of you. Even my own safety is at risk. And as he's being walked out of that courtroom, he turned to little prisoner. He turned to the prison guards Uh or the police. And he was like, why did he have to be so mean about it? Like he, that was unnecessary to bring up Charles Manson. And it's just like, what what are you talking about? So Anne Rule believes that this guy is a narcissist and a hypochondriac. So he thinks that he's really sick, but he believes that he's special. He believes that he should get what he wants because he wants it, which means he deserves it. You know, he doesn't really have to abide by the same laws as everyone else because he's special. Everyone else is replaceable, but not David because he's special. So then Cinnamon Brown is now free. And she said, I never want the pain to go away. I deserve to live with the painful truth. Good or bad, I can't change them, so I learned to accept them and not forget them. So she was released when she was 22 years old after spending seven years in prison. She's still close with her mom and Crystal, excited to be free, you know. Jay actually helped find her a foster family to help her, you know, get back into the real world, got her a job. And D.A.J. Newell even introduced Cinnamon to a law enforcement officer who would become her future husband. Wow. And she works in a major corporation in the travel industry. She lives a very private life now, just doing her own thing. And she has never reoffended, which is fascinating because David was screaming at the jury and everyone who would listen that these two girls are so evil. The minute that they're out of prison, they're going to kill again. <laughs> okay, sure. Patty was released when she was 25, so one year after Cinnamon, changed her name, got married, regained custody of Heather, even gave birth to two more babies. And David Brown died in prison in 2014 when he was 61 years old. That's fairly young. Yeah. Wonder what happened. It could be all the cigarettes he smoked. Yeah. Don't smoke, guys. (laughs) But that is the story of Cinnamon. The insane story of Cinnamon Brown. I mean, thank God for D.A. J. Newell. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, how many cases do not have a D.A. like that? He's really bizarre. I, that makes brings me to think, yeah. I think he made a lot of his money from insurance. Yeah. yeah. If he's making like hundreds of thousands from these car accidents. Yeah, hundreds of thousands. Yeah, so it seems like he's always getting away with these type of insurance. So he feels like he can get away with even murders and insurance and all of that. Yeah, because I do think insurance is like one of the hardest things to get away from. I think taxes, insurance, don't even try it. You're going to get caught. But he just, I don't know what happened. And a lot of these were like big companies like State Farm that were just like, oh, yeah, here's a check for a fender bender. They gave him like $100,000 for a fender bender. What can I say? The guy's dead, but like he just is like another level of evil. And he seemed so, he seemed approachable. That's what everyone said. Like if you were to see him in Orange County, he seems like this rich dude, maybe a little sleazy, maybe a little like, eh, stop looking at young girls. What do you do for a living? Yeah, but he still seemed like, you know, like a law abiding citizen. Really nasty. What are your thoughts on this one? And I hope you guys enjoyed. Like I said, we will be skipping Sunday's post. But once Wednesday rolls around, we're back to Wednesdays and Sundays with you guys. And I'll see you guys on Wednesday. Bye.